welcome back to the Pet Cash Pod. I'm your host, Andrew Pet Cash. We have an awesome episode today with a product and company we haven't touched too much around yet, which is the athlete safety, the concussion world, with the CEO of Prevent Biometrics, Mike Shogren. Super interesting story of how he got involved in this space. It is uh, very personal. His son, um, which we'll go into, had an unfortunate injury. And uh, they've built something very cool that spun out of the Cleveland Clinic. They now work with a ton of the major sports properties across the world. And uh, we dive deep into concussions, athlete safety, how you know products versus software are different in sports, how they're building. And uh, yeah, tons of great insights, as always. And want to thank Mobius for sponsoring today's episode. They have an awesome product where you can watch sports while you are answering emails or doing whatever on your computer. It's uh, airscreentv.com. Try the free trial today, and uh, I promise you'll enjoy it. I I do use it myself as well, and uh, as you know, I only take on sponsors and uh, products I believe in, and Mobius and airscreentv.com is definitely one of them. But without further ado, Mike Shogren, let's dive in. Mike, appreciate you coming on today. Super excited for this one. I haven't had anyone in the concussion space of the actual product. I've had a, a helmet company. I've had a few athlete safety, which we'll dive into. But super interested to dive into this one, both from the standpoint of your personal story, which we'll, we'll get to uh, quickly out the gate, and then the product and the implications and uh, just this huge market that a lot of people don't realize of safety, wellness, fitness, health that encompasses all of this. So uh, appreciate you jumping on today and excited to have this conversation. Yeah, happy to be here. Give us the the, the personal story. Uh, Will gave me um, some background a little bit, but I, I won't go too far on it. But I know your son, there's an injury, you're doing something else. And I yeah. uh, would love to hear that. I, I think it will, it will set us for a great tone heading into today's episode. Sure. So um, my name is Mike Shogren. I'm the CEO of Prevent Biometrics. Uh, we're based in Minneapolis. Um, I grew up here. I was a avid sports player, hockey, um, you know, baseball, football back then. Um, you know, went out east to school, played hockey, you know, Division three hockey. Um, moved back to Minneapolis in the early, you know, mid '90s, and then had three boys. Um, quickly as they got involved in new sports, um, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I've been involved in a bunch of sports type of things in my business. Um, Minneapolis, you know, is the largest city, but our, our hockey programs were kind of a mess at that point in time as the suburbs had taken over. So I worked with a bunch of guys um, over years to rebuild the Minneapolis hockey program into almost a thousand player hockey program um, by the you know early 2000s. Um, had all three of my boys playing in them. About 2010, uh, USA Hockey started a bunch of tracking on concussions. It was the, the early part of you know, build knowledge, understand better, try and prevent it. Um, and uh, that just didn't work very well because it obviously caused, you know, individual reporting of an incident afterwards, very difficult to do. Um, you know, we did the best we could to help them. You know, we were a pilot organization for it, um, but it, it got us into the space of this is a really uh, murky injury that's hard to track and hard to understand. But the, the glow, growing interest in knowledge starting about then that's the same time that this stuff started coming out in the NFL and uh, CTE became a term, you know, about that same time frame, which is long-term head exposure, right? It's not about, about concussion. It, that CTE is a different, a different animal. Um, 
So uh, I got very deeply thrown in this problem in 2013 when my um, 16-year-old son got tripped in a hockey practice, um, hit the back of his head. Um, he ended up spending the next uh, uh, missed a semester of school and wasn't mm-hmm. cleared to play sports for over a year. So we were in the really bad pile. Um, he couldn't walk across a room without getting a headache. Um, literally could you know, went from a student, top performing athlete to not being able to function. So you get really involved really fast. So mm. in my mixed roles while we were doing this, and I realized that the treatment side that my son got um, really was lacking um, because the, the bad – so first of a couple of things about concussions. 80, 90% of them just clear up with rest over a week, right? Um, that's why you see players return after a week. They, these are all kind of standard things. Um, but if the symptoms can continue, right, then you need to, to rest more. Um, about that time, um, there was a big move from one or two states, uh, which then hit every all 50 states in a couple of years, where there's very standardized rules for every youth sport in the United States. Remove, remove from play on any sign of concussion. Um, stay out till you don't have any symptoms and are cleared by a doctor, and then have a one-week return to play, a five-step return to play that takes about a week. Like that's pretty much the standard, um, you know, treatment for for people with concussions. Um, for someone like my son where you don't get better, you have terrible eye problems, headaches, you know, just all kinds of problems that gets to be a very small group of people, um, but gets, you know, uh, into very, very advanced kinds of treatment. So we really struggled to find help for about the first eight, eight to 12 weeks until we found uh, uh, HCMC in Minnesota, unbelievable care, changed, you know, saved my son, um, got him back to healthy. It did take over a year, um, but, but it was important. So, at that time for Minneapolis hockey, I started looking at every tool I could do because the identification of a concussion is really hard, right? They're asking a, a parent or a coach or a trainer at a youth game to identify the kid. You know, we're watching the game. We aren't, you know, it's hard to do. Um, hard to figure out who to even look at, right? So there were a bunch of tools out there. The helmet sensors in football had come out. Um, you know, that had been studied. When you read these studies as a, as a coach, you know the data is bad the minute you read it because it starts talking about New York Times articles of car crashes and, mm-hmm. and, and 40 mile per hour accidents. And if those things were true, no one would play these sports, period. No, no coach would ever let it happen. So the data clearly wasn't accurate because the tools weren't very good. Um, everything in hockey, uh, I wouldn't even touch. Like they couldn't explain the data. They couldn't explain how it worked. There were false positives. It was just not, it's not good for sports to have really inaccurate data that then terrifies parents, right? Mm. So um, not that it wasn't the best they could do. They were trying as hard as they could. It just, helmet sensors um, are not attached to your head. By definition, a helmet's supposed to move to protect your head. Thus, it doesn't record uh, accurate movement very well. Um, and because of all the work I had done in sports before, false positives are, are a secondarily huge problem. If you take a device like a mouth guard or a helmet, and you bang it on the ground. If it doesn't have a false positive filter, it'll think your head was in it, and it'll record data, right? Mm-hmm. So, the longer I get into got into that, I just said these tools aren't helpful. Um, you know, that's that's what it was. Um, and then in 2016, um, uh, I had a friend who used to own uh, Shock Doctor. The mouth guard company was a Minnesota-based mm-hmm. company. Um, the former owner um, said that the former CEO of Shock Doctor was looking at uh, technology at Cleveland Clinic about head impact monitors. And um, by the way, by that time, there had been two or three, a mouth guard company, a, 
uh, a bunch of helmet people, uh, skin patches that had spent lots of money and failed, um, you know, trying to get it right. So it was a difficult task. Um, so I told him I would probably try and talk these guys out of doing it because I didn't believe it was probably a good investment. Um, and then they introduced me to Adam Barch, who was the Cleveland Clinic researcher, along with, uh, with I mentioned, uh, uh, Dr. Ed Benzel and Dr. Vince Meal, who were the two leading neurosurgeons at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, and Sergey Samarazov was their fourth partner. He was a, uh, literally an a, a, a immigrant from, from the Soviet Union who'd worked on, on missile systems and things like that. Brilliant guy, aerospace. So he and Adam had worked on a mouth guard. And what Adam Bart said to me is uh, very quickly that convinced me to start doing this is um, the way to manage, measure head movement is be anchored to the skull. If you're not anchored to something, you're not going to measure it accurately. Skin moves, right? So it's not anchored, right? A helmet sensor clearly is not anchored, but something on your teeth that was fit well, which people would wear, would be very, very accurate. And he showed me the data and it was inarguably accurate. Um, I left that room. Um, went back to my friend and then a couple of my other friends and said, there's a lot of work to be done. This has to be a system that has to have technology. It has to have a whole tracking system around it. It has to have false positive filtering. There's a lot of things to do, but those are all doable. That's just work. Now that we have a tool that can do it. So I quickly agreed that as long, and that, by the way, the original design was like shock doctor. It was going to be sold through dicks, you know, uh, through parents. And I being my, my job, my, my past said, this is not a, it's a parent issue. It's a ch child issue. It's a player issue, but the responsibility is with a team. Mm -hmm. The person responsible for monitoring your kid and removing him from play all the way up to the pros is the team, right? Um, and the organizations, which I like that model because it means I'm selling like sports, sports uh, 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 engine did to organizations with lots of players, right? If the product works, it's a team league purchase, Right. And obviously, if it works, it's going to be mandated for usage. That's the long-term goal that we set out day one. But if you have the ability to track impacts and then flag bad ones, not, not diagnostic, but you're flagging the most likely to be you know, a better thing than my eyes, than me watching the game, right? So we call it a check engine light in the United States. They know what that means. People were trying to find right words in different places for it. But it's not saying it's concussion. It's saying it's likely enough they should look at it, right? Hmm. Well, the first thing we had to do is get accurate data. So we raised a bunch of money. We put a bit, great team on it, um, built the mouth guard. You know, they were way too big at first, right? Way uncomfortable. Uh, by the way, the original versions had wires coming out of it, right? Those were research projects. So in 2017, we had a, a product that was a research product. It had false positive issues, but I can get rid of false positives with video. Right. If I video review and I see that you got hit, that's a true positive. And then I get rid of all the other ones where you're banging the mouth guard on the ground or you're putting your helmet or other things that cause false positives. We immediately had had a, the most accurate product I've ever seen. It's, you know, 95 percent accurate at every measurement. Um, it create it. It measures the time trace of movement of your head. So how your head moves through space. Right. So it shows you the location, the direction, the linear uh, acceleration, angular acceleration, which I don't think are as important as, as the overall energy transfer long term. But it gives you all the data about how the head moved through what is literally the blink of an eye. So when you see a player get hit in a, in a game, you're seeing the reaction of the, of the head to the impact, not the impact itself. The impact itself was over in, in you know, 50 milliseconds, right? 
which is what car crash data, long-term history of, of measuring these things accurately with, with crash test dummies, right? We know what head impacts look like, right? Mm -hmm. So it took us two and a half years to get what we thought was good. A, a commercial product, which is the goal, right, is a product that can be used by a, a team with no help, real time. The data is accurate. It's usable. The biggest problem for that was false positives. And it took us three iterations, different testing, uh, proximity sensors, interpretation of sensors. Uh, we did math and filtering, AI type stuff. And at the end of the day, um, we solved the problem in, in late 2019, um, where we now had it really good by perfecting an on two sensor, right? So if we know it's on your teeth, not in your mouth, like, you know, if you shoehorn it, it's still not very accurate because it's not on your teeth, right? So we had to perfect that. Um, we were lucky enough in those first three years that we had great investors who supported us, um, a lot of local Minnesota investors and then friends of ours, and um, uh, a grant from the Department of Defense. So we were a co-development partner with the Department of Defense on a mouth guard for the military um, on a four-year study that we completed a couple years ago. And we're still the only partner working with the Department of Defense um, in, a, in a big way on how they use uh, an impact monitor like ours um, to, uh, to, to, to measure head impacts in the military se uh, setting. Um, so in sports, late 2019, um, we had a product we thought was, was looked like this. It was still, it was full mouth guard, pretty much the same size, a little bit more bulky with a full board. Um, the biggest problem with this mouth guard is they can rip it. If you tore it, you ruin the board. You can damage the board, right? So, but we were ready to kind of launch at that point in time. And um, so then we got to early 2020, we started aiming for fall of 2020 and COVID hit, mm. right? So users went from a couple thousand to zero in about a week. Um, and we had to buckle down and survive like everybody else. The good part about it is it gave us time to really focus on improving the mouth guard further and really getting good on our, on our, all the other things, the portal, the charging system, the ability for a, a, a user to see that it was charged perfectly. And what that led to by the um, early part of, of uh, uh, mid-22 is we designed a much smaller board that's on one side of the mouth guard, right? So this is much more durable. You can basically build an Invisalign mouth guard, right? You know, really soft, really small. Rugby needs a good good mouth guard because they're getting, they get hit in the teeth, right? Mm -hmm. But a soccer player a basketball player who are using Invisalign mouth guards, right? As small little ones um, to just protect their teeth a little, but we can put a head sensor in that and make it incredibly comfortable. Right. So our breakthrough um, we've been looking, you know, we've worked with all the leading researchers in the United States really around the world with our product. Cause we're really the only people who are close. There's a couple competitors who do a, a worse version of what we do. And mainly the worst part is not lab accuracy that can be done. It's false positive filtering and it's the system and it's the comfort of the mouth guard, right? All of those things of the data being really easy to access. Um, you know, we from the very beginning have made it so all the math is done on the mouth guard, right? You could literally have a light that sets this off if you wanted to in a game. Nobody wants that yet. The world's not ready for it. But we moved the all of the things we could to be as real time as possible, right? Um, and in, in, perfected the battery time, making sure it's being used for a full game, 
all the things that make it so the system works, right? And so by mid-22, um, we built a lot of credibility and we started a project with World Rugby. Um, World Rugby did what everybody should do, which is you start with a, a test and we could do 700 players in New Zealand. And we did all those players at, at the youth level to, to then validate the data, make sure it was accurate on the field, not just in the lab, video verification, thorough, thorough process, right? Very well done by World Rugby, by Otega University, by, by New Zealand, on all the work that people did on this first major study, right? But as soon as you saw the data from that, which confirmed the data we've had now for four years, that compared to a helmet sensor, what's been reported in other places, it, head impacts are smaller and less frequent than what's been reported, right? And um, the good part is most of them are not very significant. They're, they're you know, bumps to the head, as we as exactly what you think you experience, right? Now, 1% are big, whether that's 50 Gs or 40 Gs, it depends on the age and the level. But as I've said before, you got to look at the big ones, right? That's the easiest place to start is the big ones. The second one long-term will be people who have a lot of them, right? But big ones clearly is the good place to start. Um, World Rugby quickly moved to keep advancing the work that they did. We then went through women's professional teams. Uh, you know, uh, then we went into, into the uh, RFU and the, the Premiership League in England last season. Um, and what that's now led to after an incredible amount of research, a huge validation study done by Leeds Beckett. Um, and, and Virginia Tech and others in, uh, in England and, and in the U.S. Virginia Tech, who's one of the, the leading lab testing unit, you know, things for helmets and, and mouth guards and all of these different uh, safety devices. Is, Virginia Tech does a great job with that. Um, you know, we met that standard. We're the only people who met it in the world that can do it at the standard that they've, they've required. And so they've mandated our mouth guard in 15 countries with um, 8,000 players, starting with six nations, um, this coming month, right? And they are then using a, 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 a threshold um, to alert doctors at the game of the players that they believe that should be assessed. Now, what will happen is over time, those assessment thresholds will get better, right? Um, as you gather more data, as you see the relationship to concussion, there'll be some players who get returned to play. That's, that's good. It's an assessment. It's not a diagnostic tool. But, you know, they already know women will be at a lower number than men because of the frequency of the, the size of impacts. Um, uh, men take, you know, their 1% are larger than the women, women 1%. Um, we know that, that you, you know, U16s will have a different set of numbers. Um, and then you got to start collecting the data and matching it to assessments to determine the effectiveness of the, of the data and, the, and how you exactly use it, Right. Um, world rugby is using this, they use the video that they've done on every single impact to start looking at tackle height. Um, what's the appropriate approach? What's causing, you know, what's, what is, you know, is it knees? Is it shoulders? Is it high tackles? They've now, they have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of impacts that they've been able to review because now every time my device goes off, they know it's a head impact, right? There are no false positives or an unbelievably small number and the only place we really get false positives now is you can put it in a sock or a shirt and it might fool our sensors, you know, before the game. And then just a little bit why World Rugby has been a great partner and rugby has been the sport to move the fastest, right? Um, in the United States, you have USA Hockey, Minnesota Hockey, right, running those rules, right? 
NCAA is different and NHL is different, but you've got a large youth organization. High schools are often done differently, right? Lacrosse has that same governing body that, 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 that acts upon the different levels of the sport. In football, there is not a, a national governing body, right? The NFL is the NFL, the NCAA, local. There's Pop Warner in a bunch of states, but not all. So it's a much more diverse, controlled group, right, um, of how you get to the leaders, right? So we've worked with a lot of those leaders, but there's a lot less uh, cohesion ac across it. Um, World Rugby um, is the global governing body for all levels of, of, of union rugby. There, there's rugby union, rugby league. They're, they're a little bit different. But for rugby union, it has, you know, seven to 10 million members globally. There's one governing body. Right. So Aina Falvey is the chief medical officer that's responsible for kids in uh, all around the world, as well as the professional level. Right. So their end to end commitment is, is slightly different than we see in the U.S. Right. Because, you know, USA Hockey doesn't have the NHL. Right. They're, they're working together and they work together, but it's not quite as as clear. Um, so now at the same point in time to where this is going in the future, um, the NFL, World Rugby, the NHL, the FIFA, the U.S. Olympic, the, 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 the uh, Olympic Committee, they all work together. They all talk about this data. Um, they are all very, very aware of this move World Rugby is about to take with this broad mandate, which is the first mandate of any, any, any kind like this anywhere, right? That's a game changer for all the other sports, too. They'll learn from it and they'll take action, right? I love it, Mike. And, and you made my... Uh my job really easy. So I appreciate that because instead <laughs> of me interjecting questions within there, that was just like, eh, knock that bullet point off. I knocked that bullet point off. He's covered that. He's covered that. So, so no, it was really, it was really good. And you, you touched on a lot. Uh, I guess just picking apart a few things. Uh, how are you balancing the different components of this? Because you're not just building a product, you're building data also on the back end. you're building teams, you're selling to different organizations internationally, you're doing custom ones. How are you and your team like managing all these different uh, functions uh, to now, you know, as you said, you're in a place to really uh, take this thing to scale. These are not um, uh, massively complicated technological things if you have a great team. And because of my background I had in, with Sport Engine and others about building these kind of systems, you know, I worked for big companies like Sapient in my past that did this kind of stuff. I was able to get people who knew how to build end-to-end, -end, very well-united systems um, to deliver data to a team right? Because that's the most important thing is the data to the, to the on-field, to the team, then rolled up for that team to sync into all of their other video data and all these other partners of ours. Um, and then obviously, de-identifying that data, knowing how to protect privacy, giving world, because World Rugby doesn't care about Jimmy, Jimmy's impact, you know, in this game. They want to know about the sport, the, the output, right? So you can de-identify the set as you go up scale, um, and, and, and manage data protection in a very effective way, right? Um, so we think that, and I will, I will say, I believe our system is now probably our hugest differentiator, right? How fast it syncs the data, how we manage it, um, our knowledge of this. We've now got a team of 20 people who've been looking at head impacts and time traces longer than anyone, and it's complicated. It's a very complicated thing. Um, we at a Barch Cleveland Clinic, you know, the work that they did, we knew that the time trace, not just the peaks, not just the kind of, you'll hear G-Force and these, this, these data things that people talk about. The time trace is what needs to be right because that gives you your peaks, right? 
Um, and that time trace then can go into brain models, right? And they can actually say, well, what would these different inputs of ener energy into a brain model do? And you can imagine if brain models have had data that was 50% overstated or 50% wrong or twice as many as possible, the model's wrong, right? If you don't hmm. have accurate data going in, um, now I'll say also simultaneously, just timing wise, in the same seven years I've been doing this has Fitbit, Apple Watch, all of these other devices that have come up that are doing the same thing from steps, which isn't that accurate. Now they're talking about, you know, uh, uh, temperature and all these other measurements that have to be pretty accurate if they're effective, right? So all of that knowledge, all of the customer expectation of accuracy, um, I will say in head impacts, it's got to be dead on accurate, right? If you've got wrong data, um, especially on big ones, if I bang this mouth guard, it reads really high, right? So if I report um, something that's already 1% and I have an extra, you know, 1% of noise, well, then I have twice as many big ones, right? So you have to get rid of all of those big ones to not greatly overstate the problem, right? And so our massive focus on accuracy from day one and data that's usable and trustable, um, we're helping define the field. We're helping all the researchers to learn about this. And I'll just say, you're going to hear more and more. We don't think very long-term it's going to be G's or angular acceleration. It's going to be energy. It's going to be, you know, we call it work, is the calculation of the area under the curve, the whole energy through the, through the impact. We think that that, because also that's additive. The most important thing for subconcussive impacts and all this stuff around long-term uh, head injury risk, well, you have to add things together. Well, I can't add G's. You, you know, right? A 50G and a 40G does not make a 90G. The, the, it's, it math doesn't work. That's not what it is, right? But calories, the same way that they did it for diet, right? Um, calories are addable. So we think energy is an addable thing. And then that's going to allow us to run formulas and work with researchers. And um, see, you know, we are, we are not the determiner of the threshold or the risk curve. We're the data. Right. And then we work with the researchers, we work with the leagues, we work with their people to say, what's the thresholds? We can enforce a threshold. If you wanted at 55 G's, if you wanted a workload, if you wanted on uh, PLA, PAA, those are those are our alerts. Those are our signals that we give you that somebody had one. Right. But we can adjust that as the information changes, gets used more. Um, you know, that's that's the flexibility we have to have to allow the research to keep advancing, right? As we start building this data set. Um, now I will say in the next three months, um, as World Rugby keeps doing it, every time they do new work, they did WXV this fall, um, this big women's tournament they did this fall, they will have the largest set of data. They will have the largest number of impacts related to data because they're doing assessments, right? Until you start doing assessments related to, to impacts, how do you have a data set, right? So that data set is growing rapidly, and that will mean there's a lot more for researchers to say about relationship of impacts to concussion risk. All those things will fall out of an increasing data set through our partners. Um, the other thing I will say that makes this space exciting to me is that the desire for collaboration of different researchers in different sports is clear. The goal is to make the sport more safe, make every, the, the user more safe, right? And CTE is a real thing. Absolutely. 
I think a lot of the data is still overstated to be a, to create fear in people um, because that's what it's done is this idea that I might play soccer and and uh, or lacrosse and end up with CTE. Uh, we've our founding always says youth sports are relatively safe. Um, and by the way, if they're not, you'll find out immediately using our device and you'll change the rules, right? But but the sports themselves do a ever increasingly good job, even without data, of making the game more safe. Right. No youth football program plays the way that I did when I was a kid where kids lined up and just each other's heads all day. They're making these games much more safe and that's good for everybody. Right. Reducing by world rugby will tell you their real goal is reduction of the number of head impacts. Can we figure out a way to reduce the number and magnitude of head impacts by rule changes and the other things that all these sports will do? Um, The NFL has done that. NHL has done that. You know, they keep working with what knowledge they have. We just know that our data will be a exponentially faster tool to make those decisions in a better way. I love it. And uh, yeah, Mike, this is, this has been awesome. We covered so many good stuff uh, across the, the space. I mean, you touched on where it's going. You've touched on the actual product. You've touched on development. What, uh, where, where can we find out more about Prevent Biometrics? What's uh, website, socials? Where can people reach out, learn more? Give us uh, the rundown yes. on that, and, and then we'll close it out. Sure. So um, preventbiometrics.com um, is our website. And uh, we're on you know, LinkedIn. We're on, uh, on social media, obviously, with that Prevent Biometrics. Um, and uh, I'll just say one thing about, about the U.S., um, because uh, the U.S. was a leader in this early on. Um, uh, I think the head, the helmet sensor usage, right, because it caused a lot of confusion, has slowed down and made people more cautious, including me. As I told you, when I started, I was absolutely not convinced that this stuff was a good idea. Um, but as this information comes on and World Rugby is now seen, you know, uh, uh, doing its work, um, it'll it'll spread fast. And if if you're you know you're running major organizations, this is not we are not selling to parents. We're not trying to sell to you to help your kid, but what parents and organizers should do is talk to their teams, to their leagues, to their organizations, because that's where this starts, right? And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, you'll be hearing more and more about us as this momentum picks up, um, because we are the, are the you know, leading answer in the space right now. And um, as you can imagine, we think that um, hockey, lacrosse, football, soccer, heading questions, how bad is heading in, in sports? They're changing the rules, but they should probably gather the data more accurately first, mm-hmm. right? So we think we'll yep. be in all these sports relatively fast. I love it. Well, appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights. It was uh, it was awesome. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing the rollout. I know I'm sure you're super excited just uh, you know, building behind the scenes, getting to that point, having to step back with the whole world, and then uh, now getting to it. So it's it's exciting. 